Hello, friends and family. This is Mary Smith. I am the author and recorder of this podcast, An Educator's Legacy. Uh, We're just doing it straight up anymore, guys, because nobody's really listening anyway. So I'm going to say what I want, and then I'm going to do what I want. So if you don't like it, hit pause, hit stop, exit now. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, today my guest is Tammy West. She is absolutely, truly phenomenal and amazing. Tammy, welcome to An Educator's Legacy. Thank you, Mary. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you here, honey. You have made such an impact on so many people by sharing your story and writing your book and presenting at so many events. It's just amazing. And you've been an inspiration to me. So my question is, why did you choose to become an educator in the first place? (laughs) Well, it's funny because um, I'm not an educator now as far as being in the school system. But when I think back about why I decided to become an educator, a, a public school teacher, it was probably not the best reason. I had been back and forth between what I wanted to do when I was in high school. I didn't really have any guidance from my parents or school or anything. So I graduated and thought I did this thing where I would, I would experience something. And then I would think, Oh, I love this. I'm going to do it. Like I did a, a, like a volunteer work at a special education center and the kids were so sweet. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And then I worked for a doctor for a while and I thought, well, I'll go to nursing school. And then I thought, no, I want to be a doctor. So I started pre-med. And then finally, I graduated with my biology degree because we moved and I had a couple babies. And I hate to say it, Mary, but the ultimate like bottom line reason at that point in my life was, well, what am I going to do with a biology degree? Well, I kind of liked that teaching thing a while back with those kids. And I, I liked when I was a teaching assistant in graduate school. So I'll do that. And that's what I did. That is so funny, Tammy, because the reason I became an educator myself is because I wanted summers and weekends off. Really? Well, thank you. (laughs) And that's probably a fairly common reason, too. And we know each other pretty well over the past few years, but I did not know that about you. (laughs) And you know what's really funny is I was totally wrong. (laughs) About having weekends and summers off? Yeah, it doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, yeah, it's like, whoa, what happened here? Because it sure the hell was not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I heard a, I don't know who this person was. It was a story years ago, but they told me that they became a teacher because as a child, they liked using the markers on the whiteboard and that's why they wanted to become a teacher. (laughs) So I guess there are, there are worse reasons. Yeah, there are, there are. And I know some people are strictly in it for the money. Like I had a um, teacher that was a ACP candidate and she was actually a geologist by trade, but Mm. she decided that she wanted to be a teacher because she was tired of getting laid off in the oil industry. And so she decided to become a teacher, but she was so socially awkward and had no education. I mean, she could not find her way out of a paper sack. She was extremely brilliant with no common sense. Yikes. And she was just not a fit. She was socially awkward. She 
She didn't have any rapport with anyone, not adults, not children. It, it, it just wasn't a good fit for her. Thankfully, she realized that after the first year. But, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah. that, that wasn't too long for her to. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So when thinking about your career, though, over, I mean, you were there for 10 years or so, right? 10 years. Yes. Okay. Where do you feel like you've had the greatest impact? And let me qualify that. Was it even in the classroom or has it been since the classroom? So are you asking me in my entire life career, the greatest impact? Uh, related to education. Related to education. Well, I guess I'll answer that in, in two parts if you don't mind. As far as in the classroom, and you and I have had this conversation a little bit, I don't think anybody knew how, and I, I hope it's okay I say this, but I was not happy as a teacher. I was not for many, many reasons, but no one really knew it unless they were close to me and they had to listen to me complain all the time. But in the school and in the classroom, I did all the things on the surface that looked like I was a great teacher. And so as far as impact, you know, I feel sad that I couldn't, I couldn't say that I feel like I connected with the students or I changed their lives in the way of, of being with them and inspiring them. I don't think that happened, but I think I did a really good job of teaching them science and biology. And I think it did inspire some students to go into fields like medicine because we did like I did DNA fingerprinting with them. We did a crime scene. I mean, we did labs all the time. So I think that's probably the impact I had in the classroom was just the content. I think I taught it pretty well. Does that make sense? Maybe in the it classroom? Does. It yeah. does. And people, you know what, honestly... There's a lot of people that are going to be able to relate to you saying that you didn't really feel like you liked it. I mean, and it was <laughs> evidence through the way you complained. And that's complain. something else to think about, too. You know, it's when we're in the classrooms, are we complaining a lot? I mean, even if we like it, does it look like we don't like it because mm -hmm. of we're complaining a lot? I don't know, man. That's that's kind of a hard thing. Well, and it, it can also be a the complaining thing sometimes is a, is a bonding thing. It's a, you know, and you don't even really realize sometimes that you're doing it. You get together with other teachers or friends and it's, you know, rah, rah, rah. this is bad. That is bad. And sometimes that can be helpful if it's just a vent, but then sometimes it's way more than that. For and sure. See, that's why I like you. Cause you always see things in a different perspective. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> You um, do, man, because I would have never thought about that being a bonding experience. But I think that's basically what your stress club book it is, is about, mm -hmm. right? It is. Yeah, that that we don't even know we're doing it, but that we're bonding over over stress and we're together. We're soul sisters. We're in this world together. It's awful, but we can't help it. And so it'll just be you and me against the world. Okay, and yeah. just to be clear, in your book, you're not advocating that everybody get together, bond through stress. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm advocating quite the opposite. You know, I get it when you when you bond over negativity or stress or gossip or complaining, um, but I would like it if we bonded over better things, you know, okay. enjoyment and love and giving and grace and um, even though the other stuff is going to be there that shouldn't be our identity to each other. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, teaching is hard enough. 
without throwing in the negative aspect. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like I should say, I don't know if you're going to ask me this later, but when I say I didn't like it, it was so much deeper than that because my whole, you know, I don't know if, if anyone's listening, uh, I, they may not know I grew up with terrible anxiety disorder and I was in the mental hospital right after my student teaching experience. And so my teaching experience was very, very difficult. It was filled with anxiety and, and not connecting with those kids. I didn't know it until later, like through therapy, but that, that was really a bad thing for me. I didn't understand those kids. I had been teased when I was in school in high school. So there was just this weird disconnect between me and the students. And yeah, it was a tough time. So it wasn't just eh, teaching is, irrit- you know, it's, it's irritating to me or I'm not liking it. It was pretty deep. Huh. That's interesting. So you felt like you were teased in school. Oh yeah. I was overweight and bullied and we grew up in poverty and filth and we were the neighborhood outcasts and the school outcasts teased on the bus, name calling, no friends. Anyway, <laughs> happy, happy. That, yeah. That kind of sucks though. Honestly, you know, um, yeah. that I'm sorry to hear that, Tammy. I'm sorry you had to experience that. So many people do, you know, but it's weird going into teaching, not realizing that that was affecting my it was sort of an inability to to bond with the students because they sort of represented the group that gave me so much pain growing up right so I just didn't get them yeah I understand that yeah that would make a difference I think it does that's an interesting take on it though so after since then you've left the classroom and now tell me what you're doing where do you spend most of your time now so I left the classroom uh, to become a speaker and an author. And I thought that I was going to speak about anxiety. So I wrote my first book about anxiety and spent a lot of time and money marketing myself through anxiety. But, you know, God always, you know, sometimes has a different plan. So my speaking is, has morphed and changed. I speak all over the country. As you know, you and I both do some teacher training together. Um, I speak for conferences, medical conferences, educational conferences. And, and I talk mainly about the things that you and I are talking about right now, stress and sometimes anxiety and conflict and worry and finding your purpose and being happy and connecting and all those things. So that's what I'm doing now. When you asked earlier about the impact, you know, I hope anyway that I'm having more of an impact now than I did when I was in the classroom. I can attest to you that you do have more impact probably than you realize because I have too many friends at some of the conferences that come and tell me, do you know that Tammy West chick, man? She is good. And no. they, I mean, that's all they do is rave about you and tell their friends. Cause when I'm asking them, who are you texting your friends to go see? Because you know, that's what they do, right? They sit in I a session. Thought of that. And they, yeah. They sit in a session and they say, so-and-so is dynamic. You need to come to their session. And when I asked some of my friends, they're at, they're like, oh, uh, Tammy West. Um, and then they like Wes, Weston, you know, mm. they also like Eric, uh, Eric Cup, and Aaron Johnson and Donna Clark Love. I mean, all these we, people we know and love. Yes. All, and Jenny Severson, all these people that we have surround, been fortunate enough to surround ourselves with you and I, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that our audience knows are. You, me, Jenny, Donna, and Aaron are working on that book together and a women's event 
that yes. we're going to put on in August. I know it's so exciting. The Women's it? Educator event. Yes. 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 And so just for our audience to understand kind of what's going on, we are each writing two chapters that pertain to how education has affected our lives as educators and um, how we can thrive in the education business while we're still women. Is that, in, Tammy, am I, I butchering that? You are not butchering that. And this was, you know, just so everybody knows, this Mary is the instrumental in this. Um, Mary has, most of this was her idea. She's such a great leader to all of us. And Mary, I've never asked the teachers in this training that we do together every year who they're seeing. And, but I know for sure that you would be one of them because you're amazing. So, um, I have so yeah. much fun. Oh, I know. That's what's great about you is you do have fun. And you and I both know sitting in staff development can just be so grueling sometimes if it's not done well. So all of this group, we try really hard to, when we speak to make it fun and informational and really, and, and, and we want to target women because I don't, that doesn't happen in most places. There's not specific educational programs for women educators, and it allows us to focus on, on things that we wouldn't be able to do if it were, you know, mixed men and women, we can just talk about different things. That's exactly right. Yes. So excited. And because of that, because of our book that we're writing together, tell me, we chose to write about what we're most passionate about. So Tammy, tell me, what are you most passionate about? I am writing my two chapters. One of them will be on anxiety. And just because, like I said, that was my history of growing up. And so much of my anxiety was, even though I had it since I was a child, but the time with my student teaching and trying to juggle everything. And I had children while I was student teaching and I was pregnant and I was taking classes and working. And then those first few years of being a brand new teacher, holy moly, my anxiety was just, even though I was out of the mental hospital, it was not over yet. So that I'm passionate about that. And I want to try to help in our short little bits that we have, you know, to give them some help and pointers. And then my second chapter is closely related, and that's on managing emotions. I think that people, women, Um, especially teachers, we tend to kind of beat ourselves up about our emotions. We don't understand them. We think that they're out of our control and they are completely not. And so I want to, I'm super passionate about that too. So those are my two. That sounds so cool. And I know that so many teachers, especially women are going to be able to relate to both of those things because both of those things affect our lives every single stinking day. Yes. You know, yes, and do. I know that one of the things that you would really like to do is give them tips and tricks that are going to help them manage themselves, not only during the school year, but mm-hmm. also um, year round personally, as well as professionally, just because yes. I've read the um, I've read your draft and it's truly amazing. Y'all, if you pick up the book for no other reason pick up the book so that you can read Tammy's chapters. They're amazing. <laughs> well, and I think, and we're all doing that, right? I mean, we're all trying to make our chapters well-rounded because you're the same person when you're in the classroom and out of the classroom, you're still a woman 
you still need help in all all realms of life. So I think that's kind of all of our goals, right? Let's help them. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that um, your anxiety really, how did that affect your life professionally? I mean, how do you, what's the biggest thing that you think that, it, how did anxiety relate to you professionally? Well, even though there was the whole history from childhood on of having it, it was that student teaching experience that landed me in the mental hospital. So I can't blame the student teaching experience because it was so much more than that. However, that's when it happened. So I'm, I'm in the classroom. Um, Those of you who have been through a tough student teaching experience, which Mary, I know you have as well. um, Twice I was with a, a teacher who didn't seem to understand what it meant to have a student teacher um, they reprimanded me in front of students, said bad things in, about me in front of students, gave me negative evaluations. And for your average person who may not be experiencing an anxiety disorder, which, by the way, I should say, um, don't think that my chapter is not about anxiety disorder, although I mention it because we all have anxiety from time to time. But for someone with it as a disorder, hearing those, those criticisms and things just put me over the edge. So when I got, when I finally, I I did the two student teaching experience, I went into the mental hospital, I took some time, I finished student teaching, and then I took the teaching position. And when you say, how did it affect me? Well, it was everything. I was on medication for the first several years. And I am not anti-medication, by the way. But at the time I, I needed it, I was on uh, clonopin, which is a, a minor tranquilizer, sort of like Xanax. And I was on Zoloft, which is an antidepressant. I was Just... on Zoloft. <laughs> when, I was in, when I was teaching, man, I, it was like, you, someone, they got to give me something so I don't like slice somebody. You know, Mary, I have a friend, I won't say where, what state or anything, but she works in a school, in a school. She's not a teacher. She just works in a school. And she told me that just informally she said about 90 percent of the teachers in her school are taking they're either on a a prescribed medication they're self-medicating um some of them are doing some illegal medicating yeah Ah! that's true i know that's true because i know some people who partake of the illegal substances that are educators that at least when i was in the classroom i knew there were because they you know that's how teachers we all know that and my opinion my you know I never said anything about it because a it's not my place to say and b it wasn't affecting their performance in the classroom Mm -hmm. at least around me so you know what you do in your private life is your business but I will tell you that my like most of my time in the classroom I was on Zoloft because I it kept me it just took the edge off what about after you were out of the classroom? My well, you mean my last when I was doing the science curriculum mm-hmm. coaching? Yeah, I was still on Zoloft until I retired, and then once I retired, I took myself off of it. I figured I didn't need it anymore, and I haven't wow. been on it in five years. Wow, I did but, not know that. Yep, but you know, <laughs> I it just took the edge off, you know, because otherwise, you know, I have a, a kind of a short fuse. 
and you piss me off and you know, you're going to know it. And in order <laughs> to maintain my career and make sure that I'm not like everybody doesn't know I'm crazy. I just decided <laughs> to take Zoloft. <laughs> not crazy. Gosh, I did not know that. So it was, it was more about sort of that, those flares yep. that was affecting you needed something that sort of made you a little more even keel. Even keel. Yep. Yep. Cause I would go off on the end. You know, I was, I was naturally pretty happy, but if you piss me off, you piss me off. I rapidly escalated. That's how let's, let's just say it that way. You, you rapidly know, escalated. Yes. It was a rapid escalation into the dark side. So that wow. helped me to not go to the dark side. Wow. And it's, it's, I don't know what it is about education. I don't know. I mean, it's many it's things. You're perform- yeah. And you're perf- You have this, you have this, m- this job that you do every day that requires you to be a performer, be a disciplinarian, be a planner, be a technology person, be a great communicator. I mean, it's, it's so much. Plus be compassionate and be a mother and oh, be yeah. a friend and be a perfect coworker. And don't let things frustrate you. And here's more and more and more work. But hey, you can do it. That's what it is. It's frustration. For me, it was frustration. Because I couldn't say the things that I wanted to say. You know, and I feel like I should say, because it would it would not be, it wouldn't be me if I didn't say this. As long as I've been speaking, which has been, I don't know, 15 years maybe, and to tons of different industry industries, I do know that most people in any given job will also say that their job is unusually difficult or they have an unusual number of challenges. So one thing I don't want teachers to do, you know, if you're listening is, is and Mary, you know, I talk about a lot about identity, be very careful to not get your identity in the fact that you have struggles in your job. Cause we all do. I mean, right. we all do. Um, but I don't want, I don't want people to think I'm discounting their pain. I'm not. It's just that I don't want us to feel like this is, you know, I don't, I don't want people to, to, to do that. I don't want to say, woe is me. That sounds mean, but you know what I'm saying? Um, we got to figure out the, the reasons that we're there and what we love about the job. Otherwise that stuff is going to get to you. And, and I finally left because I didn't have the things that could keep me going that a good teacher should have, you know, at least some concern for those students. Right. And I kind of didn't. I I do agree with you though, that every job has its yucks, Mm -hmm. you know, like ask me to go and sit at a desk and do what my husband does all day long, which is it work. And Mm -hmm. I would rather die. You know, I loved being in the classroom and I loved, I really loved my cook when I was doing the, the curriculum coaching. Oh, I bet you did. I really, really loved that. I loved my, I'm thankful for my career. And I'm thankful that even though I thought I was going to get summers and weekends off and I never did, I'm still thankful that I became an educator because Mm -hmm. I truly loved it. It kept me from getting bored because I got a new set of kids every year, a new set of teachers to work with, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but I will tell you this, if you, if I had to sit at a desk every single day and do nothing but work on a a computer, I would go bat crazy you would and you know when I think about too that there are some people who do that in schools and they have office work and you know I speak to a lot of child nutrition people which are basically um, 
lunch ladies and school directors. And I'll tell you, so when I speak to them, they, they have the same feeling of, oh my gosh, people don't understand our job is so hard. And it, you think, so these people get no respect. They make very little money. They work their behind off in those kitchens. They have regulations they have to follow that most people don't know. They can't just pull out a bologna sandwich. They have to put up with all of these kids. They can't discipline them. That's really tough. Um, tough. It's tough. So, you know, I just, I, I want everybody to, to just understand that, that if it's, and especially if it's not for you, it feels even tougher. That's true. If that's not where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I liked what you said about being careful about the, how you identify yourself. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, what would you like people to say when they hear your name? What do you want them to say about you when you hear their name? Hmm. I want people to say about me when they hear my name. I would like for them to say that I am someone who is thoughtful about the way that I communicate with people and being a calming influence in their lives. Oh, well, and you know what? You've managed to achieve both, at least as far as our relationship goes, yours and mine. You're very calming. Well, and by calming, oh gosh, Mary, I was a raving maniac when I had no control over my, (laughs) one time when I was married before, I don't know if you've heard me tell the story before, but one time I, so I was married before it's Valentine's day, like a day before Valentine's day. And we're driving in a neighborhood. So not driving fast. My ex-husband, my husband at the time gives me this brown bag and says, here, this is your Valentine's Day card. So it's the day before Valentine's Day. We're driving. He hands me this card in a bag. And I got so mad that I literally got out of the car as we rolled to a stop sign, just having a big cow fit screaming. Now, granted, what a, what a stupid thing to do. Give your wife a Valentine's Day card in the car when you're young and, you know, you haven't been married that long. But I just lost my mind. I was mad all the time, throwing things and I, and, and saying I was stressed out and getting this, this value in how stressed out and crazy I was. And I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. I, you know, that's a past life. Mm -hmm. It's a past life. And what I think most of us have a past life that we really do want to leave behind. Right. I hope that, that, people that are living in situations that are not working well for them that it becomes a past life i think for some people it doesn't and becomes their entire life i know i know it's really sad but that being said too because i you know i have a past life that i like to leave behind although it makes for really great stories when i'm speaking yes Uh, however (laughs) I do want to leave that part of my life behind because I've moved on and I've evolved. And mm-hmm. now, you know, if you would have asked me like 30 years ago, what legacy I wanted to leave behind, um, it would have been completely different than what the legacy that I would choose to leave behind now. So what legacy would you want? Do you want to leave behind at this stage in your life? What is it that you would like your number one lasting impact to be um, after mm-hmm. people hear you speak? I, the number one legacy I would like is something like 
she eradicated our concept of stress. Oh, nice. Yeah, but stress is a big deal, man. And that's what causes a lot of that anxiety and the medications that we're taking and all that stuff. And stress causes so many diseases. That's a really good legacy to leave behind. Well, and it's it's not really that actually though. I don't I don't believe in the word. I don't I don't, you know, we have this this idea that there's this thing called stress and it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't help and it doesn't change things and we lump everything into the word and then we have our power taken away and then they have we have the world telling us that, you know, commercials that there are mattresses if you're stressed, here's some macaroni and cheese that will help you if you're stressed here's a paper plate that'll help you if you were stressed and so the the advertising agency is making billions of dollars because they keep telling us we're stressed and it makes me mad so I want to change it and like we talked about earlier there's this sisterhood over it and so I want to eradicate it I want people to have a whole new view go get a tiger yeah I'm trying There you go. All right, guys. If you would like to hear Tammy speak in person, if you want her to um, come talk to your school, to your district, to your organization, she is phenomenal and she has got an amazing website. It is TammyWest.com. Am I correct on that? You are correct. Yes. T-A-M-I. T-A-M-I. Yes. W-E-S-T. All one word. Dot com. And you can, and I'll put her contact information in the show notes as well with a link directly to her website so that you can book her to speak. She's also, um, you know, a published author. She's got books. She's got all kinds of materials out there that if you want some more information about what we talked about today or to get to know Tammy better, just visit her website and you can find everything that you need. So thanks, Tammy, for joining me today. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate you too. And, and thank you for all you're doing for the people who are listening to you because you are an awesome resource for them. So kudos. Thank you. Thanks so much, honey. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. What a great interview with Tammy. Thank you, Tammy West. See the show notes guys for information about Tammy. Um, Next week, join us as we talk to Donna Clark Love of Clark Love and Associates. She is the national bullying expert. She's been featured on TV, magazine articles. I mean, she she knows her stuff, man. She has spoken nationally and internationally. So join us next week as we talk to Donna Clark Love. Y'all have a great week. Hang in there. And don't forget to leave a positive legacy wherever you go. Bye now. Oh, thank you.